Chapter 7, Part 2 of More Love to Thee, The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. More Love to Thee, The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice by George Prentice. Chapter 7 Part 2 Another careworn summer. Letters from Williamstown and Rockaway. Him on laying the cornerstone of the Church of the Covenant. The records of 1863 are confined mostly to her letters written during the summer. In June she went again with the younger children to Williamstown, where she remained a month. The family then proceeded to Rockaway, Long Island, and spent the rest of the season there in a cottage, kindly placed at their disposal by Mrs. William G. Bull. They passed through New York barely in time to escape the terrible riots which raged there with such fury in the early part of July. A few extracts from her letters belonging to this period follow. To her husband, Troy, June the 10th. I hope you'll not be frightened to get a letter mailed here. Anyhow, I can't resist the temptation to write, though standing up in a little newspaper office. We were routed up at half-past five this morning by pounds and yells about taking the Northern Railroad. On reaching Troy, the captain bid us hurry or we should lose the train, and we did hurry, though I pretty well foresaw our fate, and after a running walk of a quarter of a mile, we had the felicity of finding the train had left and that the next one would not start till twelve. The little darlings are bearing the disappointment sweetly. 4 p.m. After depositing my note in the post office, we strolled about a while and then came across to a hotel where I ordered a lunch dinner. We got through at twelve and marched to the station, expecting to start at once when M came running up to me declaring there was no train to Williamstown till five o'clock. My heart fairly turned over. However, I did not believe it, but on making inquiries it proved to be only too true. For a minute I sat in silent despair. Just then the landlord of the hotel drew nigh and said to me, You don't look very healthy, missus. If you'll walk over to my house... I will give you a bedroom free of charge, and you can lie down and rest a while. Over to his house we went, weary enough. After a while, finding them all forlorn, I got a carriage and we drove out. On coming back, I ordered some ice cream, which built us all up amazingly. The children are now counting the minutes till five. One of the boys is perched on a washstand, with his feet dangling down through the hole where the bowl should be. The other is eating crackers. The landlord is anxious I should take a glass of wine. And M is everywhere at once, having nearly worn out my watch pocket to see what time it was. Monday, June the 21st. It is now going on a fortnight since we left home. Oh, if it were God's will, how I should love to get well, pay you back some of the debts I owe you, be a better mother to my children, write some more books, and make you love me so you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. Just to see how it would seem to be well, and to show you what a splendid creature I could be, 
if once out of the harness. A modest little list, you will say. I said to myself, is it after all such a curse to suffer and to be a source of suffering to others? Isn't it worthwhile to pay something for warm human sympathies and something for rich experience of God's love and wisdom? And I felt that for you to have a radiant, cheerful, health-happy wife was not, perhaps, so good for you as a minister of Christ's gospel as to have the poor, feeble creature whose infirmities keep you anxious and off the top of the wave. Saturday afternoon the professor took me off strawberrying again. Can you believe that till this June I never went strawberrying in my life? I don't eat them, so the fun is in the picking. Do you realise how kind the professor is to me? I'm afraid I don't. He works very hard, too hard, I think, but perhaps he does it as a refuge from his loneliness. His heart seems still full of tenderness towards Louisa. Yesterday he took me aside and told me, with much emotion, that he dreamed the night before that she floated towards him with a leaf in her hand, on which she wrote the words, Sabbath peacefulness. I love him much, but am afraid of him, as I am of all men, even of you. You need not laugh, I am. To Mrs. Smith she writes from Rockaway, July the 24th. We were glad to hear that you were safely settled at Prout's Neck, far from riots, if not from rumours thereof. We have as convenient and roomy and closety a cottage as possible. We are within three minutes or so of the beach, and go back and forth, bathe, dig sand, and stare at the ocean, according to our various ages and tastes. I really do not know how else we spend our time. I sew a little, and I'm going to sew more when my machine comes. Read a little, doze a little, and eat a good deal. The butcher calls every morning, and so does the baker with excellent bread. Twice a week clams call at 30 cents the hundred. We get milk, butter and eggs without much trouble and ice and various vegetables without any as Mrs. Bull sends them to us every day with sprinklings of fruit, pitchers of cream, herring and whatever is going. We either sit on the beach looking and listening to the waves every evening or we run into Mrs. Bull's or gather about our parlour table reading. By ten... We are all off to bed. George does nothing but race back and forth to New York on seminary business. He has gone now. I went with him the other day. The city looks pinched and woebegone. We were caught in that tornado and nearly pulled to pieces. 27th. You will be sorry to hear that our last summer's siege with dysentery bids fair to be repeated. Yesterday, when the disease declared itself, I must own that for a few hours I felt about heartbroken. My own strength is next to nothing, and how to face such a calamity I knew not. Ah, how much easier it is to pray daily, O Jesus Christus, wachs in mir, than to consent to, yea, rejoice in, the terms of the grant. Well, George went for the doctor. His quarters at this season are right opposite, he is a German and brother of the author Auerbach. We brought G's cot into our room and George and I took care of him till three o'clock when, for the first time since we had children, 
I gave out and left the poor man to get along as nurse as best he could. I can tell you it comes hard on one's pride to resign one's office to a half-sick husband. I think I have let the boys play too hard in the sun. I long to have you see this pretty cottage and this beach. August the 3rd. The children are out of the doctor's hands, and I do about nothing at all. I hope you're as lazy as I am. Today I bathed, read the paper, and finished John Halifax. I wish I could write such a book. To Miss Gilman she writes, August the 10th, We have the nicest of cottages near the sea. I often think of you as I sit watching the waves rush in and the bathers rushing out. I have not yet thanked you for the hymns you sent me. The Traveller's Hymn sounds like George Withers. Mr. P. borrowed a volume of his poems, which delights us both. I am glad you are asking your mother questions about your father. I am amazed at myself for not asking my dear mother many a score about my father, which no human being can answer now. I do not like to think of you all leaving New York. Few families would be so missed and mourned. I can sympathise with you in regard to your present Sunday privileges. We have a long walk in glaring sunshine, sit on bare boards, live through the whole, or nearly the whole, prayer book, and then listen, if we can, to a sermon three quarters of an hour long, its length not being its chief fault. I am utterly unable to bear such fatigue and spend my time chiefly at home, with some hope of more profit at any rate. How true it is that our master's best treasures are kept in earthen vessels. Humanly speaking, we should declare it to be for his glory to commit the preaching of his gospel to the best and wisest hands. But his ways are not as our ways. I feel such a longing, when Sunday comes, to spend it with good people, under the guidance of a heaven-taught man. A minister has such wonderful opportunity for doing good. It seems dreadful to see the opportunity more than wasted. The truth is, we all need, ministers and all, a closer walk with God. If a man comes straight down from the mount to speak to those who have just come from the same place, he must be in a state to edify and they to be edified. From New York, she writes to Miss Shipman, October the 24th. Your letter came just as we started for Poughkeepsie. The Synod met there, and I was invited to accompany George, and, quite contrary to my usual habits, I went. We had a nice time. I feel that you are in the best place in the world. Next to dying and going home oneself, it must be sweet to accompany a Christian friend down to the very banks of the river. Isn't it strange that after such experiences we can ever again have a worldly thought or ever lose the sense of the reality of divine things? But we are like little children, ever learning and ever forgetting. Still, it is well to be learning and I envy you your frequent visits to the house of mourning. You will miss your dear friend very much. I know how you love her. How many beloved ones you have already lost for a season. Don't set me to making brackets. I am as worldly now as I can be, and my head full of work on all sorts of things. I made two cornucopias of your pattern, 
and filled them with grasses and autumn leaves, and they were magnificent. I got very large grasses in the Rockaway marshes. The children are all well and as gay as larks. Early in November, the cornerstone of the Church of the Covenant was laid. She wrote the following hymn for the occasion. A temple, Lord, we raise, let all its walls be praise to thee alone. Draw nigh, O Christ, we pray, to lead us on our way, and be thou now and I our cornerstone. In humble faith arrayed, we these foundations laid in war's dark day. Oppression's reign o'erthrown, sweet peace once more our own, do thou the topmost stone securely lay. And when each earth-built wall, crumbling to dust shall fall, our work still own, be to each faithful heart that here hath wrought its part, what in thy church thou art, the cornerstone. End of chapter 7, part 2